Good morning, everyone. Mark Schneider here, and welcome to the IAC and ANZ Inc. second quarter earnings presentation. Joining me today is Joey Levin, CEO of IAC and Chairman of ANZ, and Oshin Hanrahan, CEO of ANZ. Similar to last quarter, supplemental to our quarterly earnings releases, IAC has also published its quarterly shareholder letter. We will not be reading the shareholder letter on this call. It is currently available on the Investor Relations section of IAC's website. I will shortly turn the call over to Joey to make a few brief introductory remarks, and then we'll open it up for Q&A. Before we get to that, I'd like to remind you that during this presentation, we may discuss our outlook and future performance. These forward-looking statements typically may be preceded by words such as we expect, we believe, we anticipate, or similar statements. These forward-looking views are subject to risks and uncertainties, and our actual results could differ materially from the views expressed today. Some of these risks have been set forth in IEC and ANG's second quarter press releases and our respective filings with the SEC. We'll also discuss certain non-GAAP measures, which, as a reminder, include adjusted EBITDA, which we'll refer to today as EBITDA for simplicity during the call. I'll also refer you to our press releases, the IEC shareholder letter, and again to the investor relations section of our website for all comparable GAAP measures and full reconciliation for all material non-GAAP measures. Now let's jump, jump into it. Joey? Thank you, Mark. I, I do want to start by thanking Mark Schneider here, who everyone on the call knows very well because he answers every single one of your emails and phone calls probably instantly. Uh, and you all know he has an encyclopedic knowledge of IAC. He's been here, I think, as long as I have, maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, but he's always been uh, behind the scenes. Today he is on the screen. You get to see his smiling face. So. Uh, we're lucky to have Mark here. Uh, I know we're, there's going to be a lot of important questions today, so we're going to want to get to questions quickly, but I'll just quickly uh, take stock of where we are relative to to where we've been. Uh, and going into COVID, Match and Vimeo were both still part of IAC, and they are now up on their own, doing very well, 50 something billion of value uh, uh, off separately. And uh, what's left in IC is, is lots of small businesses and Angie Home Services. And when I look across those businesses, every single one of them, I think almost every single one of them is better off coming out of COVID. I don't know if you can quite say coming out of COVID yet, but uh, is better off today than we were going into the pandemic. And that's probably hardest to see at Angie. We're going to talk about Angie a lot today and, and what we're doing and, and how we're, we're building that business for the long term. Uh, and that's really, I think, quite an accomplishment and quite a testament to the businesses that we have and the people that we have working here. And uh, I'm very grateful for that that group of people and what I think we can do from here. So we're, we're excited about the future. We'd love to talk about what we're doing. And let's, let's start with the questions. Great. So our first question will be from Dan Salmon at BMO. Great. Good morning, everyone. Um, I've got two questions. Um, first, Joey, can you take us uh, another layer deeper on the brand transition impact uh, from both Angie's List to Angie, and then it looks like the, the more significant impact on the Home Advisor brand during the quarter, and specifically, why did that have such a significant impact on EBITDA? Uh, and then Second, if you could just spell out a little bit more about the contribution from uh, total home roofing in the July growth versus where the organic trends in the, in, are in that business currently. And uh, 
perhaps just a few high-level comments on uh, your reasons for buying this business. Thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Ashin and Mark both jump in here. Uh, but the, to answer the, the first part on the brand consolidation, number one, I do think it's important to talk about why we did the brand consolidation. It is we are spending on multiple brands. That is obviously inefficient. Uh, but also the, the, our, well, the brand where we were generating the most revenue was, we felt, not a brand that was ultimately long-term sticky. We've talked about this before where you talk about the business home advisor, you talk about the success of home advisor, you talk about it's a leader in the category, it's the best product, most revenue, it's the most service professionals. And, and you finish that conversation with somebody and they say, oh, you mean Angie's List. Now, the good news is we own Angie's List too, but the bad news is for all the, 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 the hundreds of millions of billion dollars we put into the brand, it was not a sticky brand. It was too generic. It was too literal. And there was a brand that we owned that uh, really owned and defined the category, which was Angie's List. Now, it was a list, which is, I think is a, is a concept is outdated, and so we had to update that to Angie. Uh, but that's something we think we can own, and we think we can own forever, and we think in define the category as a much more ambitious concept than, than using a literal brand. But what practically happens in that is two things. Um, number one, we updated the AngieList.com domain to Angie, uh, and so that just, we've done this multiple times before, that is a V-shaped curve, and we are seeing that shape. Uh, and the traffic goes down pretty severely, and then it, it comes back up over time. Uh, and and that, we did that at, at Dot Dash across multiple brands. We did that actually when we went to Service Magic, from, when we went from Service Magic to Home Advisor. So, so we have seen this. We have uh, uh, sister companies who've done this that we've talked to, which is uh, Expedia did a big one relatively recently with Verbo. Uh, so this this is a, a relatively well worn path. It's hard. The thing that 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 as you point out, we didn't appreciate, or we should have appreciated, but we didn't, was uh, how quickly Home Advisor, without the brand support, would would lose audience in search. And uh, that has been that has been more severe. We thought it would hang on. It, it as I said in the letter, it's it's actually reinforcing the decision because that brand just didn't have the, the stickiness to it. Uh, it needed that constant support. And I think that the, the spending on a new brand is going to be much stickier and last much longer and be more enduring. But because it didn't have the brand support, the, the audience we were getting from search fell off more quickly. And that gets to your margin question too, which is the, the SEO, the the organic search traffic that comes in uh, is very high margin. And so when you lose some of that, then uh, that, that drops down to the bottom pretty quickly. Ashin should, there, there's a bunch of other stuff in there, including the acquisition and, and Ashin should jump, jump in on this. Thanks, Joey. Look, I, I, I think you hit the, the important part, which was we're absolutely committed to where we're going with the Angie brand. And the thing that gave us even more confidence was the rate at which Home Advisor declined when we stopped spending on it. So the, the, the constant investment in the Home Advisor brand uh, was propping up organic search, it was propping up uh, SEM, it was propping up a bunch of channels. And once we took that investment out of the Home Advisor, particularly on TV, and we invested in Angie, uh, we saw a faster degradation than we anticipated. Uh, the, the upside is... Um, the upside is the shape of the curve we're seeing on brand for new Angie 
is better than anticipated. So what we're seeing is we're transferring the brand equity from Angie's List over to Angie in terms of how we measure unaided awareness, in terms of how we measure aided awareness, much, much faster than we thought. So on a dollar per point of awareness basis, we're performing somewhere between seven and 10 times better on new Angie than we are on, uh, or than we were when we first transitioned from service magic over to home advisor. So we're really excited about that. Um, obviously it, it, it had a, it had an impact on, uh, it had an impact on EBITDA. Um, in terms of the, the question on total home, ju just to zoom out for a second, um, we've effectively got two things, uh, two businesses inside Angie right now. Uh, and if you, if you think about the macro environment, one of them is a business where pros pay us to access customers. And the other is a business where we pay pros to do work. And at a time where I think it's, it's unprecedented in terms of the, the change in the macro environment, where we saw this massive contraction in pro supply as a result of COVID and this massive increase in consumer demand uh, happening at the same time that we're asking pros to pay us to access customers, that, that business is challenged at the moment. So irrespective of the, the brand transition we're going through, it's, uh, it, it's challenged. Obviously we, we believe this is temporary. We understand that the, the macro environment, uh, the macro environment uh, is, is is particularly volatile, um, given uh, given COVID. However, we think it's our responsibility to lean into the other business at the same time, where we actually have huge product market fit. So where we're paying pros to do work, that business is performing unbelievably well. So you know you saw the the, the growth rate is 120 odd percent. Uh, Q2 versus Q2 last year, you saw the, the, the July number of 160 odd percent. Uh, and I, you know, in, in terms of the total home, uh, or the Angie roof, now Angie roofing, uh, acquisition, uh, that contributed, uh, that contributed to the, uh, to the growth in Angie services on an overall basis. July would have been flat on growth versus June, uh, without the, uh, without the Angie roofing acquisition or the total home acquisition. Just to talk about why we did that for a second. It's, it's kind of got to do with why we're, uh, why we're overall investing in Angie services. It's a desire to bring on more supply and build a better customer experience. Our pros want one thing, it's to help grow their business. Our customers want another, which is to get the job done. What we've done at Angie Roofing, or what we're doing at Total Home, is we're going deeper into the roofing category, and we're building out real expertise to be able to help people get their roofing job done. So today, you go to Angie and using Total Home or Angie Roofing, we can actually quote you the job really quickly, buy the materials, dispatch the uh, the roofers. We don't employ the actual individuals doing the work. We contract with individual teams, but that's allowing us to bring on more supply because it's specializing the work they need to do ever more. So we, we're really excited, uh, really excited to go deeper in this category. It's a great category, as I've spoken about before, $10,000 AOV. Uh, really, really high rate of financing attachments. So about 20% of their jobs are financed. So it allows us to get deeper into financing. Uh, and, you know, you think about the application of technology, we can apply a lot of technology to allow us to price those roofing, roofing jobs in advance using aerial LIDAR uh, or aerial photography. Uh, so again, it's really bringing it to this, uh, this point where it's a seamless end-to-end -end experience on Angie using, uh, using Total Home or using Angie Roofing. I need to get the I need to get the nomenclature right. Hopefully, after this, we'll only call it Angie Roofing. Um, but overall, um, overall, we're, we're we're really excited about where uh, where Angie Service is going. Yeah. 
and just a couple of things to add. You know, when we did the, uh, you know, IEC has done through through a couple of its businesses things like this grant consolidation before, and when we uh, did the service magic to home advisor uh, transition, you know, almost 10 years ago, you know, that took uh, roughly 16 months before you know revenue returned to growth following the commencement of that. And similarly, at Dot Dash, when we we did the verticalization uh, several years ago, you know, on average, it took about a year. For, for each each of those verticals to return to revenue growth. So these things do take time. On the July revenue, um, you know, as we said in, in the shareholder letter, we do expect um, that sort of organic run rate to continue for the next few months. So it's sort of in and around that, that 7% we saw in May, June, July. And then you layer on the acquisition. And just to help people size, you know, that, that acquisition, you know, for, compared to total Angie, it, it's relatively small. It's a little outsized in terms of growth. Just remember that this is in our Angie Services uh, bucket, which recognizes revenue as growth. As Oshin said, these are you know ten thousand dollar tickets or, or more type jobs, and then seasonally, obviously, the summer months for roofing is, is very strong. Um, so with that, we'll go to our next question from John Blackridge. Uh, great, uh, thanks. Couple of questions. Uh, Doc Dash, the the revenue and EBITDA growth uh, was strong again in the second quarter. Could you discuss uh, uh, the quarter, and then and then we saw the top line decel in July. If you can, uh, uh, Joey, maybe offer a view on Dot Dash's second half growth and and any uh, color on the longer term uh, growth vectors for that segment. And then just two other quick ones: uh, Terra.com. Uh, any update on the progress there um, since the acquisition? Uh, thoughts about kind of the longer term opportunity? And curious when we might might start uh, to to hear more about that segment more regularly. And then just any update on this EFO search would be great. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, John. On, uh, maybe I'll do them in reverse order on, so I don't forget. CFO, we are uh, got a great pipeline of candidates. The good news on the CFO search is, you know, Glenn was, was I think, uh, an exceptional CFO and they choose to fill. And so we're, we're, um, we've got a high standard for what we're looking for, but we have time and we have flexibility on that. Uh, again, I think I, I don't want to give a timeline on, on when we'll fill it because there's maybe some candidates we could fill with quickly and maybe there's a, a, a chance it could take longer. Uh, but we have a fantastic finance staff here we built over many years we're all I think exceptional in their field I talked about Mr. Schneider already we've got a head of accounting who's exceptional we have a head of treasury who's exceptional uh same for internal audit for tax and so when we think about when, when I think about all those finance functions and uh confidence level in making sure that things are running smoothly and we're all uh, well protected I have absolute certainty in that uh and so we're going to make sure we find the right person to add value to that equation in terms of capital deployment and, and being a real uh, uh, value add on the, on the executive team. Uh, and I'm confident we'll get somebody great. On uh, care.com, in terms of breaking it out, I don't know. That is sort of the, the, next step in evolution for the business. When we think about businesses in IC, we like to put them in emerging for a while and then graduate from emerging to their own segment and then hopefully long-term eventually graduate uh, into being their own business up uh, standalone on their own. Uh, but 
but right now business is doing very well. The, the, I think I've talked about before that the enterprise business was the most positive, pleasant surprise for us since we acquired it. That's a meaningful contributor to the business, growing very nicely, and uh, is a a I think is a, a beneficiary of a important tailwind right now, which is employers increasingly taking on the responsibility or believing they need to take on the responsibility to help their employees with childcare. And it's unequivocal that there's a direct correlation between taking on that responsibility and diversity in the workforce. And it's of course unequivocal the importance of diversity in that workforce, how it's positive impact on a business. So when people now realize that, and a lot of that has become even, even more clear over the course of COVID in terms of both government realizing that and employers realize that, I think that's going to be be a tailwind for the, a continued tailwind for the enterprise business. Um, the, but, but that aside, the core business at CARE is growing fast, certainly the fastest since we've owned it and probably the fastest since, since for a while before that. And that's a product of a few things. We've got improved, as I mentioned in the letter, improved uh, conversion and retention. Those are key to the key building blocks to the business. And of course, when you get those things going, that builds LTV. And when you get the LTV going, that enables you to do more marketing. So we've got marketing substantially up in that business right right now too. And that becomes a virtuous cycle. Uh, so that that's all encouraging. The other piece is it's not just in childcare. You know, we've all, at least I have, sort of defaulted to childcare as the definition of care.com. But senior care is an increasingly big and important component. And I think also has a demographic tailwind behind it. Number one, people want uh, an aging population. Number two, people wanting to age in their homes or in their family homes as opposed to in, in uh, nursing homes. And certainly COVID didn't, didn't help the brand of nursing homes generally. So I look at all that and say, we're, we're doing we're doing very well. They were excited about it. Are not in a rush to break it out as its own segment because we like kind of the anonymity of of care being able to to work with a lot of the tools um, behind the scenes and not worry about any particular metric right now in terms of of public performance. But it it, it ought to get there. I can't see a reason why it won't. And um, uh, the product development is is probably going to be the biggest driver of that. Meaning getting some new products launched, getting some momentum behind that. And once we do, we'll probably want to break it off on its own. Uh, Dot Dash was your other question. Uh, Dot Dash is also, as you point out, doing very well, exceptional quarter. It, it did decelerate, but we always expected it to decelerate in the back half of this year. You can see that in July, just to give you some context, like the display advertising business in Q2 of 20 was down 8% year over year. Everyone cut back their spend. Uh, that went back to growing 9% year over year in Q3 of 20. And so that's a big difference in the comp uh, from for this year from Q2 to Q3. And that's something to, to pay attention to. And we, we expected that deceleration. Is it, The business is exiting again. I don't know if we can say exiting COVID anymore, but it is exiting COVID at a faster growth rate than, than when it entered at, on a higher base, which is fantastic. And uh, so that's important. We're going to keep investing in content in that business. I think that's our competitive advantage. I think we're our content investments up 50% year over year this year, and I hope to continue to grow that faster than, than revenue for a while. 
Um, and underlying that, the, the there's there's a few trends that do help that are completely independent of the pandemic. One is what's happening to privacy and data privacy and some of the tools for tracking users and how those things have become weaker on the internet over time, or on in particular on mobile over time. And I think that trend continues for a while. Dot Dash is a beneficiary of that because Dot Dash doesn't need that data. Dot Dash is selling to advertisers a product, which is we know somebody is doing X because they're reading about doing X. They're looking for information on doing X. You want to reach a reader who's doing that. You don't need to know their name. You don't need to know their age. You don't need to know uh, where they came from on the internet or what some other things they were doing. You need to know exactly what they're looking for, which is is obvious. We don't need any data for that. And I think there are a lot of advertisers who appreciate that now. Number one, they appreciate it because they can't spend the dollars elsewhere where they were where they were tracking on a different basis. But number two, they like to be able to to target audience with effective dollars without having to to uh, violate personal space or, or worry about privacy concerns. And I think that's really important. We can see it in the advertisers. So the, the, this, I love quoting this stat. I think I quote it every quarter. Top 25 advertisers, I was just looking at that again this morning. From 2019 to 2021, the top 25 advertisers, those same 25 names, are spending 139% in 2021 of what they were spending in uh uh, 2019, and I think 123% or something like that of what they were spending in 2020. And, uh, you know, people like these concepts of net revenue retention. We've learned from Vimeo, and if you think about .das in that context, it's it's pretty amazing. And, again, the reason is what I said. It's, it's what they offer, but it's also it performs, and they, they can see that it – advertisers can see that it performs, and so they stick with it. So that's all very encouraging. Um, I, in terms of long-term growth rate, I like to think of it as 20% north of 20%, and I don't know exactly how that plays out in the second half of the year, but I think that that's uh, a bogey for us, and the things that drive that are more content um, and getting uh, not more ads. So that, that is something that we're not pushing, uh, but getting more content, getting more efficient on the ads, getting better performance on the ads. And then in each vertical, we can get deeper in terms of how we deliver a customer to an advertiser. So in categories like finance and investopedia or brokerage or credit cards or things like that, there's a lot of revenue to be found there in getting um, uh, delivering a, a more qualified customer to an advertiser. And because we are at sit at that top of the funnel, I think we have the opportunity to do that. Mark, you want to add to it? Yeah, yeah, I'll add a little bit just on um, the second half expectation. So, you know, why we, we look at that north of 20% as sort of our, our target and, and what we think is, is, you know, for a online publisher, a really healthy number, you know, just look at some of the, I'll update some of the data points that Glenn called out in the last call. So now we've, 10 of the last 12 quarters, we've grown, Dot Dash has grown over 20%. Six of the last nine quarters, over 30%. And 13 straight months of over 20%. So we do think that 20% um, north of 20% is, is 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 a good way to think about the business. And, and as Joey said, the comps do get tougher. Last year, Q2 grew 18%, and that accelerated to 26%, and then 33% in Q4. Um, on margins for for this business, remember that that 2020 was a bit of a pull forward in terms of margins for Dash. Like a lot of other businesses at the onset of COVID, they kind of pumped the brakes on investment. Um, for the year, margins were 31% last year. That was up from 24% in 2019. Um, 
And this year we're leaning back into content. Joe, we mentioned that we're, we expect to grow content, our content expense investment 50% year over year. Um, so I think you should expect to see some contraction as that sort of cycles through over the back half of the year as we lean more into it. Um, uh, so some contraction over the second half of the year. For the full year, you know, we should be relatively flattish uh, in line to that 31% we did last year. But, uh, you know, to get there, you have to have some contraction over the back half of the year. Excellent. So for our, our next question, uh, we'll go to Corey Carpenter or J.P. Morgan. Hey, thanks for, thanks for the question. Um, good, good to see you on here, Mark. So um, on Andy Services, how do you think about the sustainability of recent growth and, and um, what continues to drive further penetration? And then, Ashim, maybe if you could talk a bit about some of the progress you've made on your product initiative like Angie Key, Home Advisor Pay, and Consumer Financing. Thanks. Thanks, Corey. Uh, so just on Angie Services to start, as, as you pointed out, the growth accelerated to 127, up to 73 million for Q2. Um, just to understand for a second the, the different components of Angie Services, you, you got three different businesses inside there. You got our retail business where we partner with the largest retailers in the world, uh, some of the largest retailers in the world to sell in-store online on their site. So you go and you buy furniture and we, uh, we, sell, uh, we sell a furniture assembly alongside the furniture. The second part is uh, the, uh, the book now business where you come to Angie and you make an instant booking for a service, you fully pay and you show up and do the work. And then the third part is manage, manage services and manage projects where we give you an initial quote uh, online, you put down a small deposit and then we, we organize to complete the job uh, by phone and you, you, you pay for the job completely. So the average ticket on that, on that one is closer to seven to $10,000. All three of those experience pretty significant growth uh, as you can imagine, the, the levers uh, the levers are different in each one. We're really only scratching the surface on book now and on managed projects in particular. Uh, so the, the 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 early read on those the NPS is really strong both for customers, for homeowners, and for our pros. Uh, and we're seeing you know, significant pro engagement, significant customer engagement. If you think about it on a category level, there's probably 10 categories we've identified already where we think we could build a half a billion dollar business in each category, where we look at it and say, okay, in roofing alone, it's a $45 billion category in the U.S. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to build a very large business in that category. So the, the levers for future growth there, uh, the levers for future growth are really verticalization, going deep into each category. In the book now business, we've started to build out those category teams already. Uh, we've got about a half a dozen of those teams that are now now nearly fully staffed in terms of uh, in terms of category managers for that for those individual sub verticals. Thin enough product work to, to make that experience better. And the levers are really around added to completed, better job pricing, more accurate uh, more accurate uh, requests by the customer allows us to do an even better job spin through into repeat rate for the customer, repeat rate for the pro, and overall just makes that business better. On the managed project side, again, we're, we're, we're deep in one category with roofing to start. Uh, we've got a number, uh, we're, we're across you know, quite a few categories already, um, but we're really going deep on roofing. We're also going deep into fencing as a category and really looking at saying, how do we make sure that in that category we, we, we build a great experience? You, you pointed out Angie Key and, uh, and, and payments, um, the, the payments product up to 26 million, I think, in Q2, 70 odd percent growth. 
uh, Q1 to Q2. So we're, we're really excited about that. I think it hit $3 million in a, in a week in, uh, in, in July. Um, and the way I look at that is I look at it and I think, where are we really getting deep with the customer? Where are we really completing the loop and actually, you know, looking at it and saying, how, how do we know that we've completed the whole transaction for the customer? And if the pro is getting paid or they're using Angie's service, we know that for a fact. So I look at Q2 and actually, you know, when I think about jobs that we know that we've completed and we know we've processed the payments on, I look at the 26 million and I think about the 73 million. And I think those are jobs that were, you know, either fulfilled by Angie or we actually completed the, uh, the payment and made sure the pro got paid. So I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a really significant uh, a really significant deepening of our relationship with the customer and deepening of our relationship with the pro. And it flips it back around from the pro paying us to us making sure the pro gets, uh, gets paid. Um, we've got, uh, we've got more pros that we're rolling out payments to. So it, it's not across the entire pro base yet. Uh, so we're, 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 you know, we, we recently, uh, as you know, rebranded, uh, home advisor to Angie leads and Angie's list to Angie ads. There are, there are a number of ad pros that don't yet have uh, access to payments, so we're, we're continuing to roll that out, so we'll expect to see continued growth in, uh, in payments as we go deeper into it. Financing is also an important part of payments, again, very early on the data, but I think it, uh, I think it tripled in terms of financing volume, again, on tiny numbers, Q1 to Q2. Uh, and again, the roofing business gets us deeper into financing as well. So it's all this virtuous loop of getting closer to the customer, managing the payment, getting into financing and really, uh, really, really getting to a place where we know that the job is getting done for the customer. Angie Key was, the, I think, the last part of your question. Uh, again, great growth month over month, or sorry, quarter over quarter, up to 140,000 members now. Uh, the price point on that is up to $29, so 30 bucks uh, uh, a year. Um, we, we're still a pay-to-save um, Pay to save program. I think there's a lot more we can do there in terms of value add. As, as, as I think we're asking your question, where, where are we taking it? Uh, what does it look like? I, I think some of that has to do with helping the customer, helping the homeowner have access to more information. Some of it has to do with educating the customer, perhaps elevated levels of service. I think financing also plays an important role into that. So could we could we think about financing for uh, Angie Key members at preferential rates? Uh, and then I, I think there's a lot of uh, more tangential things to do with the, the home that we could do with Angie Key as well that we're, we're early on, we're exploring, uh, but we think it's, uh, we, we think it's a really powerful uh, idea and it, it really fits the long-term vision. The, lo the long-term vision for Angie is, you know, you know, it's how do we have a single brand that most of our people are members, they use our mobile app, and they turn to Angie to get everything done inside their home. And you think about services, you think about Angie Key, you think about payments, and you think about our broader marketplace business that really broadens and gives you access to all the services. They all fit together, and uh, I, I think you're you're hitting on uh, you're hitting on all the the, the, the important building blocks uh, that uh, that go into that. I, I just had one small thing to that last sentence from Ashin, which is. You would go to in, in that world that he describes with all those features that he describes. What's important in there is also you go to Angie first because it's faster, it's easier, it's reliable, it's going to deliver the service, uh, it's going to deliver the service at a fair price. But the point is, it, it, you go there first. It will make more sense to go there first than it will to go anywhere else first and get a list or have to sort through things 
or uh, have to read reviews or have to pick from 10 or whatever it is, you will be going first, setting up the infrastructure that it makes more sense to go to Angie first, it's more efficient to go to Angie first, is a significant portion of the groundwork we're laying right now. I, I think that's a really good point, and I, I might even push further. I might even push further to say, you go there first for the discretionary things, for the urgent things. But actually, because you have a relationship with us, because, you know, we know your home, because we know it probably better than, you know, any other professional, any other company, we can actually anticipate and take care of the background maintenance for you. So you go there first for discretionary things because you build a great brand, you've got the mobile app to remember, and you, you know, you, you engage with us and trust us. Um, and hopefully we anticipate the maintenance for you and we can actually take care of it behind the scenes or we can proactively prompt you to say, hey, would you like us to do gutter, gutter cleaning at this time of year? Would you like us to do sprinkler blow at this time of year? Can we do these things for you uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an automated or a magical way? So I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously the, the economics get a lot better. You know, we, we've talked before about the, the key drivers for, for Angie long-term economics around zero accept rate, customer repeat, as to your attention, uh, and the more we can, uh, the more we can bypass uh, bypass some of the the, the you know the, the demand channels that we've got to pay for today, and take customers directly into the energy ecosystem for the long term. Uh, firstly, the better business we build. Firstly, I would say the, the better customer experience we build, and secondly, the, best, the better business we build. So our next question will be from Brent Phil at Jeffries. Thanks, uh, Joey. A lot of questions around capital allocation, three and a half billion, uh, n no buyback on IC for a while. Can you just give us your perspective on, um, you know, where the stock is at relative to the activities you want to do on the on, on the core core side of the the, the business? Sure, we have um, at the the at IC it's a, a little under three billion and. Um, I think the portion of cash you're thinking about is at Angie. And and priorities are are basically the same they've always been. Um, we're definitely going to prioritize our existing businesses for M and A. I think I've talked for a little while now and continue to believe that that uh dot dash and publishing would be a priority there because I think we have a great team that is building a great business that's proven their ability to uh, do acquisitions, integrate acquisitions, and uh, add value in those acquisitions, and uh, it, it's scalable. So I want to add there if we can find the opportunities, which I do believe exist. That's one for sure. Uh, and all of our existing businesses are, are going to prioritize over new businesses for acquisitions. We continue to be uh, in the hunt for new categories. To, to get into, I don't think we'll, we'll as you've always said, I don't think we'll, we'll look for a set the company type of acquisition, but I think that um, finding businesses that generate real cash flow and where we have a unique angle is something that, that we're going to, that we are looking for and continue to look for and, and uh, is a priority. The last one you mentioned is share repurchases. That's always in the consideration set, will continue to be in the consideration set. Uh, and it's basically a variation on putting more capital into our existing businesses because it's just effectively buying more of them. And so that's, that's an easy one. Uh, and it's definitely something that, that we always have looked at and will continue to look at. Um, uh, and we, we 
in all same story on the on the Angie side as it relates to to share repurchases and acquisitions. I don't think Angie's going to get into a brand new business with capital, uh, but looking to do small acquisitions like the roofing one where we can tuck something in and and really make a difference and and also uh, uh, consider share repurchases if it makes sense. Great, thank you. So our next question will be from Jason Helfstein at Oppenheimer. Thanks. Um, I just want to dig a bit deeper into Angie. Um, how much are you willing to draw a line in the sand to kind of hold revenue growth, let's say, at 7 to 10% for the foreseeable future, given that the headwinds you're facing at Home Advisor from a traffic standpoint, um, you know, will take time? Um, and obviously, it's a, it's a balance there. So just help us understand kind of, you know, how bad it can get over the next several quarters. Thanks. I'll start and then you machine jump in. But we're not holding any lines. It'd be crazy to hold any lines. It's not, we can't. There's nothing so sacred we say we do anything for for uh, uh, 7 to 10% revenue growth. What we're saying right now is that's what we're seeing uh, on the organic side, and that's now bigger uh, as a result of the acquisition. That's what we're seeing, and we don't see a reason why it should be worse than that, but we're in a very volatile environment for two reasons, probably more than that, but for sure there's still a lot of ups and downs as it relates to the pandemic and people's willingness to do work and availability to do work, things like that. And uh, we created our own volatility with this brand thing, and so some components of that are out of our control. We know what we're seeing today. We know what direction it's generally headed in various pieces, some up, some down, and so we've made assumptions on, on how those hold. But things can change for the positive or the negative there, uh, and, and that's always going to be the case. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that. We know where we're going. We know what we're trying to build. Uh, we like the destination, as, as Joey said in the letter. Uh, I, I, I just put a slightly more context on it. We've essentially got two businesses that are performing very differently because of the macro environment and because of the brand. So the uh, services business in the current environment has fantastic product market fit and is growing like crazy, obviously a smaller part of the business, but growing like crazy. And you've got the lead business that is challenged from two perspectives. One is the, uh, one is the, the brand and two is the pandemic. And we believe the brand is temporary and we will be in a stronger place on the other side of it. And the, the pandemic hopefully is also, I think we all hope it's very temporary. Um, and I, 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 you know, you, you look at the math of when those two lines are gonna cross, of when a, a smaller, faster-growing business is going to help with the uh, the overall, uh, but we're 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 focused on the long term. We're focused on what we want to accomplish overall. We're not focused on how do we you know hold a line in a particular place. You know, if this quarter has said anything, it's hey, what we're all about is making sure we're making the right long-term decisions. We want to make sure that we're set up for success. We have absolute confidence that if we build the right product for the homeowner that helps them get the job done, we build the right product for the pro that actually helps them grow their business, we'll be in a stronger spot. We are, in addition to the, the brand change on the, the, the home advisor business, I'm sorry, on the lead business, um, we're also making significant investment there in actually making the product and the experience better for pros. So we got a pricing test that's out in a small number of markets right now that significantly changes the ROI calculation for our pros. Very early, very early results, uh, but they broadly seem uh, they broadly seem positive at this point. 
Uh, we're obviously investing in payments uh, to, to, to close the loop. Again, the read on pros that use payments, significantly higher retention, significantly more engagement. Uh, and overall, we're, we're, looking at, uh, we're, we're looking at verticalization of that business too. So we talked before, I think, uh, loosely about verticalizing that sales force. That's something we're actively going after. Again, with a view that, uh, with a view that as we verticalize the sales force, we build a better experience for pros uh, that will engage with the product more. The, the, the thing that's given us confidence on that is an onboarding, uh, an onboarding program we've run for our ad SPs, where we put them through a pretty heavy touch, uh, pretty heavy touch onboarding test that's yielded really good results on uh, really good results on win rate, really good results on 90-day retention, and again. We're really saying, how do we not just, you know, say, oh, the pandemic is there, let's, you know, or it'll, it'll pass, but how do we say, let's make the ad business and the lead business higher ROI for pros, and how do we make sure that we come out the other side of this in a really strong place? And all the while, we continue to have the other, uh, the other option, which is how do we create our own supply, which I think, you know, with Angie Services and some other things we're doing, uh, we, we we feel like there's 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 opportunity, and we've proven we can do it in certain categories, um, and we're we're excited to do it in more skilled categories. So I I you know I I don't want to I don't want to you know lean into lines in the sand, and other than to say we're focused on the long term and we're focused on what's right for the customer, what's right for the pro. We know the TAM is huge, and we're we're you know more confident than ever before that we we're getting towards the right product. Thank you. Our next question will be from Ross Sandler at Barclays. Uh, thanks, Mark, uh, and welcome to the call. Joey, just if we look past uh, Care.com and uh, Mosaic in Emerging and Other, what, what are the next like set of brands that you're most excited about that are in that group? And then what is the, what's the bull case on, on those up-and-coming brands? And then going back to Investopedia, so – Given the huge uptick that we've seen in, in just interest around retail trading and crypto and all these new these new areas with Robinhood, et cetera, is there more that you guys can do in that business to tap into that? Uh, other than you have like a lot of kind of greenfield how-to videos and definitions and stuff like that, but is there other things that you've thought about that could tap into that that growing retail? Uh, trading group and is Investopedia a material part of Dot Dash at this point? Like, where, where does it stand relative to the 300 odd million that you're going to do uh, in that segment this year? Sure. So, on emerging, the next tier uh, after Care and Mosaic is what we've called the future of work, and we have two businesses in that area, both tiny, but both growing very nicely. And both still unproven. So one's called Blue Crew, the other's called Vivian. Uh, it used to be called Nurse Five. We've changed the name to Vivian. Uh, they are the, the concept in both of those businesses is that matching employers with employees is a thing that can be done meaningfully better with software over time, and that in a number of categories qualifications for a job are binary. And so the historic tools for that, resumes and lists and interviews and things like that are much, are basically not that valuable. And what would be more valuable is software and data. So somebody's ability to show up, 
ability to show up on time, ability to uh, lift a box or lift a certain weight or operate a certain machine or uh, things like that where qualifications are binary or the qualifications can be taught within, you know, 20 minutes or something like that. And in those things, we think that software is better. And we're certain that software is better. So every customer we go to now in those businesses, when they start using our solution, they love using our solution. And they immediately can recognize the difference between our solution and what existed previously in the market. And that's leading to very high growth rates in those businesses. Now, I say it's not proven as a business yet because it's still expensive for us to deliver that product. And we're still net negative uh, investing in those, both of those businesses. And as uh, both in terms of fixed costs and uh, in, in the, the sort of contribution margin, you could argue in either of them is probably positive, but there's scenarios where, where it could be negative. And uh, uh, so we're now, we now need to continue to scale those businesses and deliver those businesses. And uh, they're each in multi-hundred billion dollar categories. Um, with incumbents that I think leave plenty of room for for uh, new competition, and we're seeing also that that some other players are now getting funding in there. We've heard we know one just raised a lot of money at a big valuation, and we know another one is trying to raise money a lot of money at a big valuation. There are three of them I can think of now, um, which I think is fantastic for the category because that's more people out there. Uh, educating the customer on what's possible, that more people out there pushing the, the limits of innovation and challenging each other on innovation. I think that's very good and, and, and we're pretty excited about that. But again, these are very small businesses today with, with lots to prove and, and that's an important place for us to be, for us to be playing. Uh, the other thing in there in emerging and other that I'll mention is what we call NUCO, which is our new incubator. And uh, we're building new businesses there. We've got two businesses that are real-ish, meaning we've now got a product that's out in the market that's being tested. Um, and we've got, we're, we're going to continue to build more. And I've, I've said this before, but I think we're going to focus that from here on businesses that uh, use the blockchain to, to build the, the customer experience. Uh, when we the work we've done around blockchain is very clear that it's going to transform many categories, just make it more efficient to operate or or, or interact with with different sides of a marketplace, and and we're therefore really excited about investing in those things. And we think about the last incubator we had was focused on mobile when mobile apps became a thing. That we we launched an incubator very early in that called Hatch, which was entirely focused on building mobile apps. And that's where Tinder came out of. And uh, I think we're going to focus new though on the blockchain and, and we'll see what comes out of there. Our first two businesses have nothing to do with the blockchain, but they're pretty interesting and uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to innovate. Um, your other question was Investopedia. I think in terms of there's four big segments of Dot Dash, finance, health, lifestyle, and beauty. Finance, health, and lifestyle are all roughly equivalent, and beauty is a little bit smaller uh, than than the other three. They are they're all important categories. I think it's true what you said of Investopedia. I think this is true of others too. Is we do have the ability to go deeper, and we do have the ability to be, build build 
real businesses benefiting from some of the trends of people trying to find information. So the example you have in Investopedia of retail investors and some of the momentum behind retail investors, I think is really important and has been fantastic for Investopedia for sure. And I think that there are similar trends that we can point to around beauty, for example, and, and people taking control of their beauty and the, the, the uh, slicing beauty into more narrower and narrower uh, products to serve different customers, I think is something that, that we benefit from in terms of being able to leverage influencers. I think it's something there that we benefit from. In each one of these categories, we absolutely can go deeper. We absolutely can deliver, uh, we can deliver a product to a customer that, that gives them exactly the information that they're looking for and deliver uh, advertising surrounding that that is very, very qualified for the, um, for the advertising, that delivers a customer that's very, very qualified for the advertising. Our next question will be from Justin Patterson at KeyBank. Great, thank you. Uh, one for Joey and one for uh, Oshin. Uh, Joey, on Care.com, it's been a unique period with some tailwinds in enterprise and some headwinds elsewhere. How should we think about just what normal growth should look like going forward, as well as the investment level to support that? Then Oshin, I wanted to tackle the Angie rebrand from a different angle, the uh, pros perspective. How are they reacting to the new brand? What's traffic adversely affected? How are you ensuring that we don't have a new capacity problem for them? Thank you. Thanks, Justin. I, you're, you're right. Uh, it was a tailwind in, in terms of care. It was a tailwind for enterprise and a headwind for, for uh, consumer. And I think that the, the consumer is now coming back. We can see that very clearly. Again, latest COVID data may change all of that, but we can see very clearly uh, uh, records on, uh, daily records on subscribers, uh, new subscribers at CARE. Uh, the, in terms of investment, the business is profitable today. I think it will be profitable for a while, forever. It's hard to say forever because maybe there's an opportunity, but it is. Um, Right now, I think that the level of investment necessary in that business to do the things that we want to do allows us to maintain profitability there. In terms of the growth rate, uh, I, I don't know, Mark, you want to take that one? Sure. Yeah, look, I think we are, again, we're, we're early uh, with our ownership of this business. We've it for about a year. We think that the TAN here is, is 300 billion. Um, it's, the penetration is less than 1%. So we think there's a long runway here. You know, you look at other marketplace businesses, you know, north of, north of 20, um, like that, that is a potentially a long-term number here. Now we're nowhere, uh, near where we want to be in terms of our penetration and product and, and investment. So we've got a long way to go, but we think and we've said that this is a TAM that is growing and the opportunity here could longer term be as big as, as what we think we have with Angie. But uh, we've got a lot of work to do to get there. So it, it's a little hard to, to, to give long-term revenue and long-term margins given our earlier stage. But you look at other marketplace businesses, you can get a sense. Um, I can, yeah, Oshin. I'm going to hit the sure. rebrand. So just to, to, to talk about the rebrand on pros, we started the rebrand by moving Angie's List to Angie uh, for both ad pros and Angie's List customers. More recently, in the last month and a half, we flipped over Home Advisor to read as Angie Leads for pros. So the the the, the pros 
now are uh, either Angie Ad customers or Angie Lead customers. Uh, there's a few things going on there. Uh, one is the uh, pro sentiment towards Angie is better than the pro sentiment towards Home Advisor. So that's a net win right out of the gate where pros feel a uh, they feel better about the Angie brand than the Home Advisor brand uh, in terms of the, their their association with the brand. The second is we've got overlap of customers who are um, Angie Ad pros and Angie Lead pros. For, for the first time, uh, we've invested in having a dedicated point of contact for those pros. So they now each have a, a single point of contact to help them manage their accounts on, on both ads and leads, uh, which is sounds obvious, but uh, is, is, a, is a step forward for them. So they, they go to one place when they got questions, concerns. Uh, and, and then the third is, um, the third opportunity I, I'd say is we, we've obviously got different sales forces selling those different products and how we think about being more integrated on, on that is a, is a, is a pretty significant opportunity. There's a, there's a lot of product work to go on to make it happen, uh, where today you still, you still do have, uh, two distinct accounts, two different, uh, sets of, uh, of customers that come to you or leads that come to you through those accounts. Uh, but I, I think now that we've, uh, we've got them under the same name effectively, uh, there's a pretty big opportunity to integrate those more tightly. Uh, before we take on the next phase, which would be uh, getting those same pros access to to, to Angie Services jobs uh, in the future as well. So, you know, I, I think we're we're on a path here. Um, it's it's clear we're making incremental steps. Uh, to me, I, I feel very impatient on any given day or week or month that we're we're, we're not moving fast enough to to to, to get to a place where. Uh, where, where we've got it all in, uh, in, in a single place where all our pros can access all our products in a single location. Uh, but I know that, uh, I, I know the team is doing phenomenal work to, to pull that together. And, you know, the fact that we've rebranded, uh, at a, at a pretty fast clip on the, on the pro side on ads and leads, uh, just speaks to our commitment to do this. We know it's the right thing to do. We know it's going to ultimately lead to, uh, uh, better ROI for our pros and a better experience overall. So, uh, I think we're, uh, we're we're getting through the the, the pro rebrand, and I think there's a, a bunch of upside. And as you know, uh, SP retention is a uh, a significant lever for the business. And if we move that through a combination of better better pricing, better brand connection, and ultimately a better product as well, so there are things we're doing below the surface to actually make the product and the experience better for the pros as we move them to this new brand. We could see uh, we could see upside. Our next question will be from Brian Fitzgerald at Wells Fargo. Uh, thanks, guys. Maybe two quick ones. Um, with respect to the rebranding effort, maybe from an SEM, SEO perspective, as we reopen, there's been heightened demand for kind of bottom-of-funnel performance ad formats uh, to get ahead of that resurgent consumer spend. Sounds like you may be seeing this kind of in, in dot dash two. Um, was that impacting the speed or the efficacy with which you guys roll out your kind of exercised rebrand playbook? Um, and then second one was just on key. Um, 50% of new customers opting in, getting a discount on the first job. That's, that's a great uh, deal. Um, what's the impact that's having on repeat rates um, and, and how are repeat rates performing versus what you thought they would going into the, the key rollout? Yeah, I'll, I'll, 
I'll take uh, I'll take the key and work 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 backwards from there, and perhaps Joey could chime in on the the um, the SCN part as well. So just to hit the key part, we released the the data in a number of different segments. So we we compared it to service requests, someone who just does services, someone who does uh, services as a key member, and then key member with the uh, with the app who starts with services. Uh, we're continuing to roll that out. Uh, obviously, at 140,000 members now, we, we released the, the data the, the first time uh, in the last letter that uh, that showed the significant outperformance. It's it's degraded slightly, but it is still incredibly strong uh, in terms of the, the the gap between service requests, uh, service request as uh, service request customer, and someone who is uh, at the the opposite end of the spectrum. So it is a three x delta. So. You, know, you think about the the person who downloads the mobile app, engages with um, engages with Angie Key, and has a, a booking. Um, that's a three x delta, which is really really strong, and we're excited to continue to roll that out um, and get to uh, get to scale on that. And again, I, I think it's super early on Key. It's super early in terms of um, in, in terms of like the value prop. It's still pay to save. I think I alluded to some of the things early on that we could take on with Key. But it really should be the beginning of a relationship with uh, with the homeowner around how we help them manage their home. And the fact that they've invested in us uh, by buying the key membership should give us confidence to go and invest in them and get to know their home and think about what other things we can do. Uh, in, in terms of uh, in terms of SEM uh, and and SEO, I think we're seeing uh, more volatility in terms of algorithm updates on. SEO, which is definitely having an impact in terms of how people are thinking about SEM and uh, and how they're uh, how, how they're um, how they're buying an SEM. The biggest thing, as you know, that we're we're seeing is as we've taken dollars out of uh, out of Home Advisor's TV brand, what we've seen on the uh, what we've seen in terms of click through rates uh, has has changed what we've done as we uh, as we decided to push further into the Angie brand. Yeah, I'm not sure. I totally. Uh understand the question on SEM, but uh, part of it was, did, did any of this impact the timing when we chose to roll things out? The answer is no, although we did view it as convenient that uh, a time when we were at risk of, of reducing our demand funnel, uh, meaning in the brand change and the domain change, reducing our brand funnel, uh, that that was a convenient time to do it on account of there being less uh, supply available given the supply crunch in the market. So it would be less impactful on the business overall. That was one factor. The other thing, which again, as maybe your question may not be, but I think in general, uh, when we look at SEM and we look at the way that the market is and the, the market share of search, I think it is, uh, it, it is safe to assume generally that the cost of SEM in all categories for all businesses continues to go up over time um, because that's the way it works when you have that kind of market share concentrated. I think uh, that's not, it's not ideal for the world, but I do think that, that as that happens, what you see happening is the price uh, goes up, that gets passed through the constituents that play in the search um, in the search marketplaces, and then that ultimately gets passed through to the customer, and that's the reality of uh, of that world. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That's, that's Joey. That's exactly what I was looking for. Appreciate it. Okay. 
Thanks, Brian. So I think we have time for, for one more quick one. So uh, let's go to Nick Jones from City. Great. Thanks for taking the questions. Uh, um, I guess just one is, is uh, you know, there's quite a bit of confusion around what the, you know, the impact of the Delta variant is going to be. I and mean, how, how are you thinking about the risks kind of going into the rest of the year if uh, people kind of pull back from letting people into their home? Um, and, and maybe second on, on uh, Angie T, is this, I guess, more point, is this driving more proactive requests uh, in, in its early days? Thanks. Yeah, so as you pointed out, I think it's really hard to really hard to predict what's going to happen with the Delta variant. Um, what we've you know observed thus far is when people are in their homes, uh, they lean into spending more on their homes, um, and it has you know been a huge boon for uh, for for the the services side of that business. I think as you as we've all observed, it, it's left us challenged on the supply side, um, but I, I think there's you know. Hope that uh, hope, hope that we'll see continued uh, hope hope that we will see us come out of this uh, this huge imbalance of supply and demand uh, over the next uh, over the next few quarters. Uh, in, in terms of Angie Key, yeah, we 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 are seeing uh, we are seeing increased both bookings and service requests on an incremental basis from the users who become Angie Key members. So they both. Uh, they both create more bookings, so for Angie services, and they submit more service requests uh, overall. Um, and again, that's amplified further uh, when we uh, when we when we get those users to download or get those homeowners to download the mobile app, which is a really important driver for us, a really important push for us as we think about the rest of the year and as we think about 22. We're really thinking about how to how to make sure we get more more of our homeowners into that segment of key members who have our mobile app. All right, we've run over time here. Really appreciate everyone spending their morning with us and look forward to talking to you next quarter. So long.